Hello, everybody, and welcome to this, the latest episode of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike, where we will be reviewing episode 12 of season four of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode Hot Potato Soup. How are you today, Hannah? I'm well. I'm very well. Very well. I Nothing think we know in particular has happened in my day to make me very the well. The kids are back at school. Yes. I think that's the overriding factor yeah, here, isn't I it? I did have some time without the incessant um, chatter, you know. That's because I was at work. Mum, look at this. Mum, what do you think of this? Mum, guess what my favourite colour is? Mum, what's my favourite ice cream? Guess. Mum, what's my favourite book today? Mum, I want to be Thor. Mum. Can I be Spider-Man? Why can't I be Spider-Man? And then here we are, so we're winding down by talking about more superheroes, but in an adult context. They've really hit those sort of, you know, four-quadrant marketing, haven't they, those uh, those Marvel and Disney people? I feel like our son's going to get me into some really unwarranted trouble one day as well, because when I put him to bed tonight, he asked me why I kissed Iron Man. And I'm like, I... I have no idea what you're talking so about. You be but going around town <laughs> talking about me, besmirching my honour. Yeah. Well, I hope you don't believe him. <laughs> yeah, you're like that's quite, that's quite an accusation. So I, I saw Mummy kissing Santa Claus, isn't it? It's that. Yeah, uh, I saw Mummy kissing Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah, it's, it's not quite. It's not quite as Christmassy. But anyway. Yeah. I'm glad that you are well. And, How are you? Uh, I, I am absolutely capital, thank you. I've got my uh, my sort of hot uh, honey and ginger um, and lemon drink. So uh, we are it's part of the rocking the dry July. I am, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm rocking the dry July. We're almost at the end of July, actually, but uh, I think we're probably going to keep going a little bit further, I think, aren't we? Till my birthday, I think, yeah. uh, and then uh, let's whew. let's just uh, let's see. Yeah, let's just get through the busy season at work and eye surgery first. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing. Usually, when I get to the end of July, I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to start coming down at work, and it's like, ah, oh, get to have eye surgery now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so actually, don't worry if there's a bit of a delay on episodes. Yeah. In the coming week, because yes, poor Michael will have. A recovering eye. By second eye surgery in less than 12 months. Uh, no, but anyway, um, we are going to be covering episode 12 and just of season 4 of Marvel's Agents of please S.H.I.E.L.D. Please just before we get into that, please keep the good thoughts when Mike does get his eye surgery because exactly a week after he got his eye done last time, I broke my ankle and we do not need to be in that situation again. No. It's uh, it's uh, that was uh, that that me basically the it was day not before ideal. the day before I went in for my eye surgery was like the last day of peace we had in our lives, like yeah. literally since then it's yeah. been one thing after it's another. Been a shit show. So hopefully this will be, you know, a little bit like sort of Tiger King two being the end of covid you know it's maybe it's going to be one of those kind of things where it'll be like a circular thing where i go in for my second eye surgery and then everything is just hunky-dory everything resets everything resets um but yeah so as i say um we are covering the 12th episode of season four of marvel's legends of shield hannah would you like to tell us a little bit about this episode indeed uh synopsis for this episode says Dr. Radcliffe goes after the Koenig family to find the location of the Darkhold. The superior reveals his plans to Radcliffe. Um, it, w- it aired on the 31st of January 2017. It was directed by Nina Lopez Corrado and written by Craig Titley. Cool. Um, Alrighty. Yeah, I am excited. Any memories of this episode? Yes, <laughs> but I can't say. Okay, thank you. Uh, your hair looks insane, by the way. Oh, thanks. Um, just thought I'd say. <laughs> Does it really? It's, I think it's because you've been, uh, yes, uh, snuggling with the boy. See? Oh, yes. You look like uh, Londo in uh, Babylon 5. <laughs> you, you've got a Centauri kind of uh, look about you. But... Um, Oh, yeah. Have you quite finished? Shall, yeah. I, shall I put that on the Instagram? I don't think anyone will if get the reference. No, you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, so a um, couple of quick bits of housekeeping. Um, we are always appreciative of emails at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And if you listen to us on YouTube, then please like and subscribe and set your alerts. 
And also, we are on Instagram and Twitter at rewatchproj. That's rewatch p r o j. Um, please check out our friend shows, namely the Iron Sequel, his film, her movie, Film Bastards, Entertainment Landfill, Chisdrucker versus Punter, uh, The Good, The Bad, and the Old, and Talk with That Rhythm. Uh, and I think oh, Apple Podcasts as well. We always appreciate reviews over there. So, Hannah, do we have any feedback? We do. Um, so I'm going to start with the YouTube comments. Yep. Just like group it by do. person. I think that's probably the sensible way of doing it. Uh, isn't it? Well, I'm I'm just going to do it per episode. Okay. So this is on episode ten. The Patriot Jacked Up says, "I remember this episode causing some consternation among fans." back in the day as a lot of people took issue with Mace's briefcase full of drugs only becoming a thing in this particular episode however if you go back and watch The Good Samaritan and The Laws of Inferno Dynamics you will notice that Mace's aide Burroughs has the briefcase in his possession Uh, prior to it being brought to our attention in this episode those sneaky writers always hiding stuff in plain sight good planning that is absolutely right so on episode 11 wake up um firstly jack dubs again once again those writers are sneaky bastards they used the may gets the ghost virus subplot from the ghost rider arc to slip the whole radcliffe gets a scan of may's brain right in under our noses oh yeah I love that comment. Yeah, yeah. That would never have occurred to me. No, me either. It wasn't until I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's there. It's there. Yeah. Uh, Silver Surfer says, Hello, fellow agents. You two are going hyperspace speed through the season, and I love it. Really love how detailed the season is planned out. Really adds to the rewatch. Stay awesome, and I'm sure I'll comment again by the end of the episode. And then he has sent another one. That says, if you could both, if both of you could interview any cast or crew member of Agents of Shield, who would it be? Oh, that's a good one because I mean the obvious one would be a writer. Yeah, I mean I'd love to get the showrunners on. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it, it, the problem is, if it could be a cast or crew member, mm. that almost eliminates the writers because how do you pick one? Yeah. You know, I mean, particularly out of the sort of main three. We'd have the titster. I mean, I'd... Gosh, he would... I think be... we'd have to have Paul Zibazewski so he could tell me exactly how he pronounces his <laughs> yeah. name. Well, I think we've burnt the bridge with the titster. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'd actually really like to have Brett Dalton. Yeah, that would probably be mine purely because I'd really like to get into the weeds about mm. sort of... You could get into the behind-the-scenes stuff, but you could also get into the whole craft of acting thing and talk about kind of were you playing it as he believed it or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that would probably be an interesting one. No, yeah, I agree. I think that's, I think mm. that's a good one. Um, and I also... Because, uh, um, like, I mean, uh, any of the main cast would be amazing to have, um, but you'd kind of want... You'd want more than one. I'd probably cheat and although they are technically cast members one of them is a big cheat because they're dead but I'd say Bill Paxton because of his career but also Samuel L. Jackson yeah he was in a couple of episodes he was a cast member of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. yeah Um, and that would be a good value conversation because you could be like right okay let's talk about these 700 other amazing things that you've been in you know but uh, no I'd probably I'd probably say Brett Dalton purely because I think that that's if if you were going to be just talking about Agents of Shield, I think that would be the um, best conversation, probably. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, and if I was to have to pick a writer, um, I think potentially Jeffrey Bell. Yeah. Um, because he is a showrunner as well. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, um, Marissa Tinkero and, and Jed Whedon write as a partnership yeah. generally. So, it, like... It would be weird could, to interview one in, without that. Yeah, either. exactly. You could interview Jeffrey Bell on his own. Yeah. Um, and still get, like, quite high-level... Uh, yeah. Also, he's done a lot of other interesting stuff as well before, yeah. so, that, you know, you get that value. Cool. Okay. All right, then. Should we Who would you the- like to hear? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. tell us. This email is entitled Bloody Hell. Dennis You're from... great galah. It is. It's Australian. Okay. Well, I did pick up on your incredible um, uh, Dennis... voice work. There. <laughs> Dennis from Brizzy here again. Bloody hell, you guys are knocking them out of the park. Oh, knocking them out at the moment. Knocking them out of the park was put in by me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hannah was just obviously wishing oh, for a compliment. really, yeah. You but... guys are both attractive and smart. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I like your show. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy and relatable. Exactly. Bloody hell, you guys are knocking them out at the moment. Uh, Glad to see I am part of a groundswell of support for Babylon 5. I think that B5, Fringe, Buffy and Twin Peaks are definitely shows that you need to get to at some point. My motives are completely selfish though. I want to rewatch B5 and don't want to do it only to find that you guys are going to after I finish. (laughs) It's all about me. Um, I listened to, and then he's got in brackets, well watched, that was weird, the latest Chin Stroker versus Punter, oh. and I wanted to do a quick fire round in the spirit of that show. Here we go, are you ready? Oh, sorry, I don't understand what's happening. Um, well, you will understand very quick. Mulder or Skelly? Skelly. Trek or Wars? Trek. Angel or Spike? Angel. Burnham or Janeway? Burnham. Uh, Kirk or Picard? Kirk. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Galaxy Quest or Orville? Oh. I know I read that and I was like, it's like fucking Sophie's choice. Orville, but only because there's more of it. Clint Eastwood or Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford. Robert Redford or Paul Newman? Robert Redford. Ian Loring or Noel Miller? <laughs> I'm not answering that. <laughs> uh, Discovery or Strange New Worlds? Strange New Worlds. Londo or Jakar? Jakar. Skywalker or Solo? Solo. Okay. All right, it's the yours. This is going to be the exact opposite answers for um, Mulder or Scully? Neither. Trek or Wars? Trek. Angel or Spike? Spike. Burnham or Janeway? Burnham. Kirk or Picard? Picard. Freddie or Jason? Neither. Galaxy Quest or Orville? Orville for the same reason as you. Clint Eastwood or Harrison Ford? Eastwood. Robert Redford or Paul Newman? Uh, Robert Redford. Ian Loring or Noel Miller? Uh, I'll take the fifth. Discovery versus Strange New Worlds? Strange New Worlds. Londo or Jakar? Londo. Luke Skywalker or Han Solo? Solo. Gosh, so the ones on there that surprised me about you were, first of all, that you just refused to answer a couple of them. Um, and well, I've not seen... I haven't seen X-Files. I've Anna, seen one episode of X-Files. We live in the age of Twitter. Ignorance is not an excuse for not getting involved in an argument. <laughs> you should know that by now. I should not have taken this. And also, Clint Eastwood over Harrison Ford. That one surprised yeah. me. I like him. He um, was in Bridges of Madison County. He's the sexy old guy. <laughs> hey, I'm the sexy old guy. Uh, cool. That, that was great. Uh, and what was the... Sorry, the first part of the email. Thank you, Dennis. The first part of the email, you, you mentioned... Um, what were the shows that you said you wanted us to cover? B5, yeah. Fringe, Buffy, and Twin Peaks. Okay, that all makes sense. Cool. Okay, yes, thank you very much for that, Dennis. Yes. And where's Dennis from again? Sorry, Australia? Brizzy. Oh. Brisbane. Uh, oh, yes, he sent the email saying he was probably the first person at the same time zone, didn't he? Yes. I'm remembering that. Right. I like those quick fire rounds, they're fun. Yeah, keep them coming. Yeah. Um, okay, this email is entitled My Picks. Hello, Hannah and Mike. Fraser emailing you from Edmonton, Canada. Oh, new person. Yeah. I have been enjoying your podcast for a few months now and wanted to let you know that I am an avid listener. I particularly like it when Hannah gives Mike a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Yes. Um, I moved across the country for work not too long ago and I find that having the consistency of geeky TV shows and films really helps with the transition and also getting to continue to hear folks like you. I hope you keep going with the show as I enjoy your companionship and listening to you riff on things I like. My picks for the next big rewatch, Babylon 5 or The X-Files. If Hannah likes... You'll never get Hannah to watch The (laughs) X-Files. If Hannah likes 90s sci-fi, Buffy and Fringe, then this is a no-brainer. I know there are an insane number of seasons, but my advice is to watch the first five seasons and then the movie. Done. 
There are great episodes after that, but it does meander, and the film is as much of a satisfactory conclusion as any other later point in the show, and also means that you won't be covering the show for the rest of your lives. Hmm. But we'll get to cover all of the classic episodes and experience the zeitgeist of the show. I appreciate that this is a leg of beef show. Not sure, if, not sure I'm using that phrase correctly for <laughs> Hannah. But I feel I have been listening to you guys enough to know that despite her misgivings, Hannah would adore this show. Like top five fave shows of all time, adore. I also think Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica would get its hooks into you, as would Farscape. Screw it, just watch this show, Hannah. Rewatch Project or not. Once you get past all the Muppets in the early seasons, you will be fine and have an epic, character-driven, insane, funny, dramatic and likeable sci-fi saga at your fingertips. Anyway, begging over, whatever you chose to pick, I will be there. Fraser. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's an awesome email. Thank you. Um, thoughts? Because it was mainly addressed to you. That well, one. Um, let's just clarify what leg of beef means. Because some people won't have heard the episode with this okay. originated. So I think that although the that... That, sorry, what was then a Fraser? Fraser's use of that wasn't strictly what we suggested, but he's actually weirdly in the spirit. Oh, I kind of love Cause, it because he's yeah. basically Hannah taking umbrage with something. Taking umbrage, whereas the yeah. specific meaning is a little bit more specific than that, but it still kind of applies. Yeah. So this whole League of Beef thing originated from watching which number Rocky was it? It was Rocky Balboa, which Rocky is the Balboa. sixth one, um, and. Uh, Paulie comes into the restaurant with a leg of beef no. um, after getting uh, let go from his job at the, meat the meatworks and he puts the leg of beef on the um, counter of the bar in the restaurant that Rocky owns um, yeah that Rocky owns and then he and Rocky have this very emotional conversation yeah they go down to the, the, like the basement or the kitchen or something don't they uh, yeah, and and it's very. Well, they might even be out the back, outside, out the back. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but they have this very intense emotional um, interaction, and it's it's really wonderful. And the whole time, I was wondering what had happened to the leg of beef, yeah. and worrying that it was either going rotten on the bar or. Um, at the very least, there'd be blood all over the bar. So, so it's kind of almost like a silly, nitpicky kind of yeah. thing that bugs Hannah. Uh, so I guess in this instance, it is a Hannah's lick of beef in the way that Hannah's got basically a bit of a stick up her ass about the X-Files. And <laughs> it's it's one of those things where... And I understand where the listener's coming from because there's nothing about you not wanting to watch the X-Files makes sense based on you. Um but would you care to address that? Yeah, yeah. I, I have watched one episode of X-Files. I can't even tell you what episode it was. Mike knows whichever one it is. Um, I've ex- I've tried to describe it to him once before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scary dude under the bed. Yeah. And it terrified me. And I am such a wuss when it comes to anything horror, even horror adjacent. Um, that well, how do you manage with Buffy then? Because it's not scary. But that's the same as the X Files. The X Files is exactly the same tone as Buffy. That episode of the X Files was way scarier. Yeah, but you were watching it out. You were watching also. You were watching out of context. I would say that there's creepy episodes of Buffy, particularly later in the show, that if you watched completely out of context, you'd be really frightened by. But if you knew the characters and you were kind of enveloped in the show you wouldn't have had that reaction to it. Like the episode that everyone talks to on Buffy is the one where all the dead people come back to life and like her mum's died and she's sort of, you see a shadow outside and she's like knocking on the door and stuff like that. Mm. If you saw that and you didn't know the show, that would be really scary. But because you know the show and you've got the comfort of the show, it's a different thing. Mm. And uh, But also, I mean, the, the X-Files occasionally did horror-ish episodes in the same way that Fringe and stuff does. But for the most part... Most of the X Files is either pure science fiction or comedic. A hell of a lot of it is comedic, and that's something that gets lost a little bit about the X Files. But well, I, I, all I can tell you is the only episode I watched scared me yeah. enough. Maybe, maybe, maybe the next time we do um, a sorbet, we could do the pilot episode or something like that. 
And um, but it, uh, the, the thing was, and I, I, one of the reasons, and this is why I think this email is interesting that I gave up was also, you know, the eleven eleven seasons of the X Files. Um, and are they like twenty two? Most of them. The last two, because you know how he came back. They were shorter seasons, right. but they are. They're like it's a proper, it's an old school ninety sci-fi yeah. show. But the funny thing is, we spend so much of our time talking about ninety sci-fi and all these classic and the kind of the the format of you know adventure of the weeks, and then you've got the mythology one, all this kind of stuff. And like literally, right in the centre of all of that, you know, you've got Fringe over here, you've got Buffy, you've got Smallville, you've got Deep Space Nine, you've got always, and literally right in the centre of all of these. Is the X Files like the the nineties sci fi show, and it's just so funny that we've just kind of skirted around this all the time. But it's just like, why the fuck have we never watched the X Files? It's just so bizarre. It's kind of like, I love Bruce Springsteen, but I've never heard that Born in the USA album that he released. It's literally like, it's like that film. I can't remember what it was. It was a comedy where the soundtrack was. Every song off the final countdown Europe, uh, album by Europe, except for the song The Final Countdown. <laughs> they bought the rights to it and deliberately didn't include that song on the soundtrack of the film. That's what this feels like. But 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 it's interesting because one of the big deterrents, like I say, so I learned a bit, but it's a really good point because the thing about the X-Files was that, and I won't go on too long about this, is that it was a victim of its own success. Chris Carter had the idea for this show and originally... He, he wanted it just to be about... He wanted it basically to be JFK, but with aliens. Mm. Where it was about... He was really into, you know, all the president's men and those kind of guys in trench coats in sort of like uh, car parks. You know, not dogging or anything like that. This is like, you know, giving away sort of like trade secrets and like, you know, conspiratorial sort of things and all that. But the conspiracy not being the Kennedy assassination, but aliens. And... And that was his whole idea for the show. And he basically made the pilot, and, they were, and the studio were like, well, you, this was before Lost, or, you know, it was right after Twin Peaks. And of course, David Duchovny was in Twin Peaks. And that's the other thing as well, is that Twin Peaks was a huge influence on the X-Files, right mm-hmm. down to its sort of Pacific Northwest setting, you know, the, the, um, the, the modern FBI agents in trench coats looking at weird shit in woods, you know, that mm-hmm. whole kind of thing. And... Fox were like, well, but this isn't sustainable as a TV show. And that was when he came up with the idea of alternating with kind of, you know, uh, Monster of the Week kind of things. Mm. But so he had this idea. He was like, right, okay, the spine of the show is going to be this uh, this conspiracy storyline, which he, he got planned. And he'd and it was funny, he actually recorded himself when he first came out of the X-Files, laying out the whole of the storyline. And then when the X-Files was finished, they released um, the soundtrack album on CD and the bonus track was that recording. Oh. He put it on like it was, and it's funny as well because this is super geek, geeky. X Files is made by Ten Thirteen Productions. That's mm. his birthday, thirteenth of the tenth, mm. and um, the CD finishes, and ten minutes and thirteen seconds after the last track, you get this recording, and it was his way of proving that he'd always got this thing. But the problem is, the show became tremendously successful, yeah. so he had to keep stretching and stretching the storyline out because if that ended, the show was done. And he thought, well, maybe the show go for three seasons, then it went for five, then it went for seven, then it went for nine, then he mm. just kept going and going. So it got to the point where it was obvious that the show would never have an ending, mm. that you just had to accept that. So this idea of stopping it after season, because the, the movie came out at, at the end of season five, and it isn't, it still ends with a, oh, we'll keep on looking for the truth, you know, mm. but it feels like an ending. You know, it's got you've got a lot of character closure and things like that. So I would imagine, although a lot of my favourite episodes of the X Files came later, that those first five seasons of the X Files are all kind of perfect seasons of, of TV. Mm. And to do that and then watch the film, I think for somebody, and I'm saying this more for listeners out there who haven't watched the X Files because I know you you never will, um, is that would actually be a really satisfying consumable way of watching that show because by the time it gets for six season that was when the show had peaked in popularity mm. so all of the things that you, people think of as the X-Files and all of the classic episodes and the influential episodes are, are in that first five seasons right you know so I think that you could watch that and the movie and kind of be able to say I've seen the X-Files and yeah. be able to you know hold a conversation at a convention about it you know mm. um, but uh, 
yeah, no, that's 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 really good stuff, and uh, a lot of those those recommendations are good. Um, Farscape as well. I know you. Are, you are, I, I will. I you will. You will enjoy Farscape. that. But I think I think that that just should be something that we could be a a, a one a night show for a while until we. I definitely will get to. Farscape. And there's only there's it, only it, four there's only four seasons of it Farscape. Was so just it's, honestly, not the right time when we started it. Was no, it? I, I don't think it was just that. I think it's just that the um, it takes a few episodes for it to take. I. I I watched the pilot of Farscape and didn't watch another a single episode until about three or four years later when mm. people were like, no, you really need to go and watch. Because it's, 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 it's the knowing a show's good syndrome. Yeah. Like it started and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And it, Buffy was the same. Mm. But then I remember a few years later, I remember reading an interview with Joss Whedon and he was talking about it and just lots of people were talking about the show and I thought maybe I'll go back and, and I bought the first season on DVD it was one of the first DVDs I ever bought actually which dates it a bit and I remember watching it and for about the first it was one of those first five or six episodes I was kind of enjoying it and then about seven or eight episodes in I was like oh right okay I see yeah right. this is really good yeah um, and don't worry I will continue to give Mike a hard time oh yes I'm sure um, you will on and off microphone <laughs> that will always be part of our our shtick I don't oh it's a shtick is it now I'll remember that the next time you're yelling at me for like accidentally I don't know burning some clothes or something I'll be like oh is this, is this a shtick and you're like I'm going to put a shtick up your ass yeah. if you keep fucking basically if you shrink another of my I will hit you objects. with a shtick yeah um cool okay um thank you so much for that email Mm. keep them coming yeah it was so delightful to see the emails roll in um after the last couple of episodes dropped and who knows maybe one day when we're in the retirement home hannah will watch the x-files we'll see (laughs) <laughs> how much gin I've drunk that day. The funny thing is, I can completely imagine you getting to a. Can we watch another X Files tonight? I could totally imagine you getting to that point with the show. Yeah. But, and it's it's funny because I'm so sure of it. I almost feel like I know something that you don't. You, do you know what I mean? It's kind <laughs> yeah. of like, oh, because maybe one day you will, and I'll remind you of this conversation. I will play you this conversation. <laughs> Time to stop this, listeners. <laughs> All right, should we get into it then? Uh, we'll see. Yes. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so we're going to watch Hot Potato Soup, the 12th episode of Season 4 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then we will come back and we will discuss it. So speak to you shortly. Bye-bye. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Instructor. Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Punter. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I've ever encountered in any film. (laughs) So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in. That's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? So welcome back. We've just finished watching Hot Potato Soup, the twelfth episode of season four of Marvel's Agents of Shield. Hannah, initial thoughts. Um, I just adore Patton Oswald in this episode and um, the woman who plays their sister LT LT um, they're just such fantastic characters and and run that line of um, serious and comedic it's funny as well because the, the Patton Oswald characters although with the exception of the kind of beat poetry one they're all very similar you do kind of actually see them as different characters, mm. which is odd. And I'm not even sure how he achieves that. LT, I know from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And ah, right. she's just fan-fucking-tastic. I think she was in Louis as well, the Louis C.K. series. Quite, quite possibly. I don't know. I've, n- I've never seen it. Um, yeah, I just... I really love the whole... 
uh, you know, hide and seek element of what they did with the dark hold yeah. and all of that kind of thing, and and the well, the, the hot potato of the title, yeah, and um, you know how Mac and Fitz and Simmons have to kind of come together and work their way around, you know, getting past what Radcliffe thinks are his, you know, um, sneaky firewalls. Yeah, and they've all got a little bit of baggage going on as well at the moment. So he's kind of doing the classic... I suppose it all goes back to Hannibal Lecter, doesn't it? Where you've got somebody imprisoned, but they're using their knowledge to sort of play you a little bit and to Mm. provoke you emotionally. So there's all that stuff going on as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. I loved it. What about you? No, I liked it as well. I don't think I liked it as, quite as much as you, and I think a large part of that is, and I've forgotten this, but as soon as, but when he got to his episode, I was like, oh, yeah. I think one of the only things I don't like about this season is I'm not a big fan of the actor who plays the Russian big bad. He feels very generic. Right. And a lot of the time when they hire actors in those sort of archetype roles they hire people who are kind of quirky and subvert it a little bit Mm. whereas he just feels a little broad Mm. and I think after the complexity of previous seasons and after like the Ghost Rider arc um, he just feels like a bit of a sort of cliche you know I think he needs to be kind of bog standard because otherwise there'd be too many quirky baddies going on. No, I know what you mean. Because you've got Senator Nadir, you've got Radcliffe... Ada. ...and, by extension, yeah. Ada, and, you know, Ivanov. It's, oh, no, I, I, just, I understand... It'd be too much. I agree on paper. Yeah. But I think that in execution, I just think that the the actor is... He's a little bit too MacGyver. Mm. And and that's just a personal, and it's not it's not a deal breaker because he's not got a huge amount of screen time anyway. But I just think that when you think about the people they've had in previous seasons, when you think of you know Bill Paxton and yeah. Powers Booth, and uh, he just seems a bit. He's almost like to villains what Lincoln is to good guys. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that and that I mean it's it's a hair split purely because there's so few things in Agents of Shield that, that I that I'm not a big fan of mm. that I feel compelled to have to mention them just so it isn't an absolute complete love fest all the yeah, whole yeah. time. And I, the one thing I would say about him, um, and I never would have thought this the first time around because I'm looking at it through. Okay, careful, this isn't a spoiler. No, no, it's not a spoiler at all. Um, what I'm about to say is looking through a lens of having been through COVID, um, lockdown, Trump administration, and the vaccination rollout and all that kind of thing. Um, at the end, when he says he believes Coulson is the reason the Chitari and the Cree and yeah. all this kind of stuff are a blight on society, yeah. um, he sounds like... Um, you know, a, for want of a better word, a crazy conspiracy oh, yeah, conspiracy yeah, yeah. theorist. Yeah, absolutely. And you can he is the television embodiment of someone getting the fucking wrong end of the oh, yeah. stick no, and I, running with I, it. I agree completely. And again, without me just belaboring the point, on paper, that's great. Just think that the actor is just a little too I don't know, a bit on the nose. But again, that's that's a minor thing. And there's, a, there's other reasons, I think, that as well, but that is getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. But it's funny, when he walked in, I just thought, oh, yeah, that guy. You know, mm-hmm. there was a bit of, like, that. And as the episode went on, I was like, yeah, yeah, he's a bit naff, really, you know. And um, and also the whole sort of, like, um, Russian hipster. It's like the drinking out of the test tubes. It's like, you know, the fucking uh, jam jar beer in a jam jar kind of uh, thing that, that people do. Well, not everyone has just a spare water bottle that they can put their vodka in, Mike, like you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you're going into a gig, if you're going into an outdoor gig, it's a long day, you know. True story, people. I thought that Mike had water in a bottle at a gig that we went to, and it was vodka, and I nearly spat it all over the person <laughs> in front of me. I'd be like, got any water, but... 
yeah, there you go, darling. I'll just sit back and watch what happens here. Yeah. It was uh, quite the experience. Yeah, but uh, but no, I, I really like this episode as well, and I think that it's another, it's a necessary. I do remember that, and I think it's around this one. And I think every season's got this. I do remember there being a a slight lull. I think this and maybe the next couple of episodes, but it's so relative. Like the fact that this season has just been dialed up to eleven the whole time. I'm actually kind of okay with a little bit of a lull. Mm. You know, I think that it's actually required. It's like an album. You know, you've got to, you've got to have the ballad at some point. You know, see from and and this is just my memory of it. Like, um, certainly no specifics or anything like that because I can't remember them. Um, but for me, I feel like it's. Uh, I don't feel like it's going to lull at all. I feel like it's just. Um, Climbing and climbing. Well, that's why I say it's relative because a, a lull in Agents of Shield is like a season finale for most of the shows, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, so it is a kind of relative thing. And I think that it's nice as well that they, I mean, they're returning to that whole familial theme as well. Like, obviously, we see a lot of that through the character of Fitz, the fact that he is, um, you know, somebody who obviously we start to get an insight into why that is in this episode has always yearned for family mm. uh, and that makes him the person who's why he's always been so um kind of vociferous in his response to betrayal yeah uh whenever all of that happens but should we get into it anyway because i, I mean I, I found myself inadvertently just starting to break the episode down yeah, there anyway so so we'll, we'll we'll run through and we'll pick out some highlights i think it's funny as well that i wonder if koenig because it's the same spelling was named that because the character's meant to be a geek I wonder if it was Walter Koenig, if that if that was a deliberate reference, because that's an unusual name mm. that you don't see very often. And I wonder if that was like a deliberately a Star Trek reference, um, well, Star Trek and Babylon 5 reference, because they knew that the character was going to be a geek. We see him in the uh, arcade, and he's funny as well, because the first thing I ever saw um, Pan Oswalt in was the Jed Whedon, Joss Whedon, Melissa, Marissa Tankeron show Dollhouse. Right. Uh, he was a regular in that as well, with um, the woman who plays um, um, uh, Faith. Um, no, um, Daisy's mum, Deaton Lackman or whatever. Daisy's mum. Yeah, you know Daisy's mother, the one who was pulled apart and oh, ran right. Rancho yeah, Relaxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with her, and also with oh, another actor who will come into Agents of Shield later was also in that show with them um, so it's no surprise that he was he's in the show because he's one of the, those guys mm. guys um, we see um, the, the watchdogs come into the arcade and grab one of the, the Koenigs they get Billy we learn they're not watchdogs though they're Russian no the guy with the long hair is a watchdog though isn't he because he was the one in the last episode who was getting in to kill her brother because oh yeah they're, they're, they're kind of a mixture yeah they're a conglomerate. Well, it's a, you know, my enemy's enemy is my friend. You know, yeah. it's one of those kind of things. Um, I keep thinking he, like, every time I see him, I just keep thinking of Fringe because he's in an episode of Fringe where he plays a serial killer. Yeah, I think he's played a few of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's played quite a lot of white supremacists as well. Mm. Um, Which must be a bit of a burden. Yeah. On your life, you know. you just like, uh, got a, a bit of a shit healy look. Um, we learned that May was the only one who knew where um, about Koenig because she, she was mm-hmm. trusted and she'd subconsciously manoeuvred herself into this position of trust. Yeah. Um, we see um, that um, Radcliffe has been off shit-healing with uh, Nadir as well. Um, Fitz interviews Robo Radcliffe and um, he says that, you know, um, he's the victim and that things are not what they see and that's when we cut to Koenig being put in a room somewhere we later learn he's on the submarine yeah with radcliffe with and radcliffe's doing radcliffe that kind of pretending to be yeah a prisoner a prisoner classic um we see um sam come to the plane the shield plane um and this is where we learn that they're on a submarine as well and we get that bit of business that kind of all this talk about the old ways like the smelling the onion when you have the vodka and all oh, this yeah. kind of stuff um and I, I, that, that guy is uh, I've written this note as well he is the very definition of a Russian tough <laughs> you know it almost feels like he should have a scar over one eye and perhaps a match in his mouth you know all that 
all that was missing for me was for him to say Dosvidanya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he would. Give me time, Hannah. Give me yeah, time. Yeah, true, true. Um, I like the fact as well that he talks about how the old ways are better and he hates modern affectations like vanilla vodka. And I'm oh, like, yeah. and I'm like, that's one thing I can agree with you on, sir. <laughs> uh, but, but for very different reasons. Um, like, uh, where's vo- vanilla vodka um, yeah. episode? Yeah. Um, yeah. It almost put me off vanilla, never mind vodka. We had only just moved in together and he was a very, very sorry man. Yes, day. I was. It was uh, <laughs> It was not one of my final moments. Let's move on to it, Hannah. Uh, the old ways are better after all, remember. Um, the, so uh, Radcliffe lets himself free as he... Cause basically, and again, this is another reminder. And I like... Uh, this is something that S.H.I.E.L.D. does a lot where just when you think you've got your head around a villainous character, they get them to do something either super evil or somewhat nice to kind of destabilise you. And like the moment where, and this is not something that you want to see when you're about to have eye surgery, when he breaks the glass and he's going towards his eye. His left eye, I might point out as well, the one I'm going to get fucking jabbed. It's like, um, I, always, I always loved the, the Dennis Leary thing about when he talks about how um, when he was a kid, um, his brother shot him in the head with an arrow. He's like, in the 70s, parents bought their, their kids insane stuff. He's like, he's like, literally, you could buy bow and arrows and give them to your kids. And his brother shot him. He said, this is actually a true story. Yeah. In the head, and it went in. And he said his dad was like, you know, was a real macho guy. I was like, don't cry. And he's like, I've got a fucking arrow in my head, dad. And he said that he went to, and I can imagine a little 10-year-old Dennis Leary doing this. They went to the A&E, and he said the doctor pulled the arrow out. And just went, there's a lollipop. And went, oh, gee, thanks. It'll fit right in the fucking hole. <laughs> just picture this 10 year old kid. My dad's so... brother threw a bamboo spear at his nose when he was a kid. Really? Yeah. That's why um, he breathes really loudly. No. I thought it was because he was old. I'm like, hey, I'm people in glass houses, this old CPAP boy over here. <laughs> it's quite relaxing, though. It's like sleeping next to Oh, I thought you were having a bamboo spear thrown at your nose. No, no, no. Like, well, no, you're, you're CPAP. It's like sleeping next to Darth Vader. It's great. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a real compliment there, Hannah. Um, so we see that... Uh, yeah, so Radcliffe basically has a moment where he... Um, he doesn't want it to happen. He's like, no, 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 no. And I think part of it is it's not even that he's a good guy. I think he's just squeamish. Mm. I think he just doesn't want to have to deal with that shit. So he says, look, no... I've got. A, I can science us out of this. So yeah. let, let's do it my way. I'll get my, you know, my cerebro machine and put it on his head and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he doesn't want him tortured. So Fitz wants to know who developed the code and programmed Robo Radcliffe. Um, we see them put the brain machine on Billy. Um, it's nice that Sam is kind of a fanboy of Quake as well, and they talk about the fact that she's, you know, essentially she's a celebrity now yeah. as well, which is kind of weird. Um, we see the. Um, we also learn, and this is where you, you, I'm reminded by just how much story and complexity and connectivity there is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is they start talking about the Russian politician that threw Bobby and Hunter under the bus. Yeah. Uh, and how that's connected. And it's just like, wow, God, you wouldn't stand... I mean, there's no wonder why you, you and I struggled the first time we watched this when there was like, you know, six to eight months between a season or whatever. Yeah. Um, Oh, but that's. And, I mean, you know, as as the seasons go on, um, like I, I specifically remember when season six started, you and I were like, "What the hell? What, what happened at the end of season?" Yeah, five? it felt like we needed like a twenty minute previously. Yeah, yeah, really did. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, none of that. But we also but we learned that basically that's why they want the Darkhold is to get rid of the Inhumans. It's mm. all part of this. It's all connected to this um, kind of. Uh, you know, Earth for Humans kind of, um, yeah. you know, right-wing kind of thing that's mm-hmm. going on. Um, we see that Sam knows where it is. Fitz is pissed off with Radcliffe, um, and Radcliffe's kind of winding him, up, winding him up about his daddy issues. Yeah. Um, and see, because he says that he, he knows him. Um, the the Russian tough, who we learn actually is like a sort of multi-millionaire, and he owns the submarine, and he's a mm. collector of weapons, like a real kind of, almost like a... A survivalist, you know, kind of mentality. Yeah. It um, was the description of him. I remember thinking it was very, very. Um, Tomorrow never dies, James Bond. Yes, like um, yeah, he feels like a Bond character. He's a wealthy industrialist. Industrialist with a penchant for blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like does he live in a fucking okay. volcano as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, Has he got the, a white cat? Yeah, and the the, the basically what. What he says is that he feels that the reason he isn't like the Inhumans is that they didn't earn it. And basically, he talks about the old ways. It's almost as though 
He just thinks that they're spoils, but they're soft. But they're snowflakes, you could yeah. say. You know, and um, while he's drinking vodka out of a test tube, yeah. the test tube wasn't the old way. Yeah, yeah, and he's a multi-billionaire anyway. But then I bet he was self-made. You know, of course. Um, so he he stole the money himself. Yeah, um, this is where they they start to suspect that they've got the wrong man, um, and they talk about how LT Koenig was the first Koenig. Uh, Mac and Gemma talk about uh, Fitz's dad, and I think it's sweet how pissed off Mac is about you know his his his, his boy getting upset mm. um, we see Mayne Coulson getting a bit flirty in the car before going in to see the beat poet Thurston um, talking we, about sheeple yeah sheeple we see that LT uh, is the sister uh, I like the fact that she's like sorry about kicking your candy ass to the uh, shield agents <laughs> uh, so we learn that Ivanov is a um, industrialist and submarine owner enthusiast um, <laughs> And then we also learn about the Operation Hot Potato of the, uh, the titular Operation Hot Potato, where basically the idea is to keep the dark hold moving. Yeah. Um, and uh, we learn that it's basically being put in a labyrinthian shield vault. Um, Ada goes berserker mode when Ivanov's tufts try to strong arm Radcliffe. Yeah. Um, well, only once she uh, he gives her the nod, though. Yeah. Fitz and Simmons talk about how... I mean, Fitz talks about how there was Radcliffe, there was Ward, there was his dad, and it's all the same, and it keeps happening. And Gemma tells him that, basically, he's an open and caring person despite this, and he's starting to see this as a weakness. He's like, well, this is why it keeps happening to me. And she's like, no, no, you know, you can't lose that. That's an important part of who you are. Yeah. But this conversation leads to him having a little bit of a breakthrough. Because she says you're more than your program. Your programming, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they sort of walk in on Mac threatening uh, Robo-Rad, um, and he says, you don't have a soul, and they're having an argument about the sort of philosophical element of it. And Radcliffe's kind of spinning all this stuff that's... That if, it was coming, if it was coming from Jean-Luc Picard, would be very convincing and humanist, but you know he's just self-serving and kind of, you know... He's just wasting time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so Fitz knows a way around the programming, and basically they take the back of his head off, and they say that he's got like a brain of, of light. It's, it's a quantum brain, it's quantum energy. Mm. Um, but he accidentally uses plural when he's talking about the brain. So that is where they realise that it's, you know, that he mapped another brain and yeah. that it was May. We see Coulson and May kiss. May won't give him the dark hole. She, she golems out um, and pulls a gun and he susses her. And I love the Daisy. So May's a frigging robot. <laughs> when it she was like really good. <laughs> and um, she quakes the book away, but May gets the bag off Koenig and Radcliffe nabs it off her. So it is hot potato inadvertently now yeah. at this point. Uh, and it is almost as though the book itself is kind of, has a will. You know, it's willing itself across like, all of like, these people. Like the ring and Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Find someone who's going to use it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel that, I mean, Marvel Comics really came up in the 60s and 70s. And that was when, although Lord of the Rings was written in the 50s, it was the 1960s when Lord of the Rings really became a cult classic. Particularly because mm. it was students, you know, getting stoned and listening to The Grateful Dead and mm. and Pink Floyd and reading that. And, and I feel that that was when the, 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 it became part of pop culture. And I think I wouldn't be suspe- surprised if the Darkhold, which does come from the comics, the Marvel comics, mm. I think was probably somewhat based on Tolkien, somewhat mm-hmm. meant to be kind of like the um, the ring, you know. Yeah. And then you say that, somebody actually says, you know, they get, you'll get all golemy, you know. It's just, mm. you know, they're pretty, pretty, um, you know, open about that. So, uh, yeah, Radcliffe nabs it. We see that Coulson can't destroy the LMD of May because, you know, and, and the rest of the team are talking about it, that he's worried that if she doesn't come back, that's all that's left because he kind of is her, Yeah, you know. So we see the Russian tough talk about uh, the Shadow Man, and it's almost a bit like his perception of Coulson is almost like our perception of like the observers. In yeah, the early, you know, but there's this guy. He's otherworldly. Yeah, there's this sort of so, and and from the from the Russian tufts from Ivanov's perspective, that's quite a valid conclusion to mm. jump to. Yeah, you know, but this this is the thing. It's it's the reason people think that you know COVID is some kind of like yeah. big government yeah. scheme to keep us all at home and that you know it's not really a thing yeah. and vaccinations don't work well i mean most conspiracies come from something yeah you know it's like stereotypes stereotypes occur for a reason but but that doesn't make them any less harmful or dangerous or mm. wrong yeah you know it's but yeah it's it, it is what it is and uh, we finish up with him having a 
them having a hipster vodka toast uh, and basically agree that a their next goal two each. Uh, yeah that their um, that their goal needs to be to get to Colson so uh, any final words before we have do housekeeping and talk about what we're talking about next time bring on the next episode classic that's Those your my last words that's becoming your uh, your catchphrase this is whack it on baby <laughs> I know <laughs> old I reference that season three was my favourite um, but this has surpassed it now on rewatch it's, it's just so good it's I, so I, I, I just good. think the whole show is really good yeah yeah you know it's and I'm sure that when we get to the next season I'll be like oh god that's so good yeah um, you know it's just it's just one of those shows where you just don't I mean I remember it. really liking season 5 I love season 5 you know? yeah it's really um, good but um but yeah, so just a quick reminder that we appreciate emails at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com and also uh, check out our friend shows and reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at rewatchproj and Apple Podcast reviews are appreciated. And also feel free to leave comments on the YouTube channel if that's where you uh, consume our show from. Uh, so what are we talking about next time, Hannah? The next episode is number 13, Boom. Um, synopsis says an explosive in human surfaces and the team are tasked with containing it Ooh. elsewhere Coulson and Mac encounter Radcliffe's inspiration for Ada wow God, this sounds like there's almost a hint of standalone about that one in places mm. which is interesting um, it's directed by Billy Gearhart and it is written by sisters Nora and Lilla Zuckerman cool they've written a few of his seasons so it should be good yeah. And we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.